Hello everyone, welcome to B1Bytes. I'm Ju Sheng and today we are with Joey Mashinsky, who is a co-founder of the ed startup Chitero. Hey, um, yeah, I, I, I'm Joey. Um, really, really nice to be here. Um, I'm one of the co-founders and the co-CEO of Chitero. Um, yeah, as you said, we're an ed tech startup. We're based in Melbourne, um, but we've got teams across the world. Um, and, and yeah, we're focused on on um, innovating across um, tutoring and math, maths education specifically as well. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Joey. And today we hope to be gaining an insight into your entrepreneurship journey and the ins and outs of the startup world. So to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Chutero? Yeah, sure. Um, so about me, I graduated from um, uni I think in 2020, um, I did, I went to Melbourne, um, did a BCom, um, and then after I left uni, um, we were in the middle of Victoria's second lockdown and I was living yeah. under the same roof as my brother. And um, as I'm sure many people listening were doing, they were having long conversations with those they were in ISO with, yeah. um, Sunny, my brother and I were having a conversation about maths education and our different experiences um, learning maths. Um, I, I formed a bunch of gaps, um, when I was in middle school and always struggled. Me too. <laughs> yeah. What inspired uh, you to start the company and what's the goal, the main goal of the company? I, I guess when we were reflecting on our different experiences, mm. um, I, I, yeah, obviously had a difficult time studying maths, whereas Sonny, I like to describe him as annoyingly good at maths. And mm -hmm. um, he saw the problem that I experienced whereby gaps formed and they compound over time um, due to a reduced ability to learn um, in a lot of the students he was tutoring. And so we had these two different perspectives on a problem. And so we knew that there was a problem worth solving. Um, and so a desire to... And, and, and just for context, this was in the middle of the second lockdown where thousands and thousands of students were pulled out of school and learning um, in big classes um, online. We were saying, all right, so all of these students have a much higher likelihood of forming gaps and therefore there's going to be this, this continued challenge um, over the upcoming years in maths education. And so we, we, we thought that there had to be a better way to... to um, provide diagnostic testing to students whereby those gaps were identified and whereby um, learning pathways were personalized around each student. Um, and so that coming together on that problem was the original inspiration behind starting. Mm -hmm. um, and ever since then, we've sort of been learning more about the problem, learning more about um, the education landscape more broadly, and then trying to um, work out how we can create and scale a solution such that we can solve as many uh, as many of these students and, and their teachers' challenges as possible. Yeah, wow. That is definitely such a prevalent problem. Like, I definitely know when I was in high school, there were gaps in my knowledge, but I lack that something to exactly pinpoint what those gaps are. Um, just a fun question. Where does the name come from? Um, so we were originally called Math Gaps. Mm -hmm. um, and we learned as we learned more about the problem that we were solving and the people we were solving it for, we saw that there was a number of reasons why that wasn't um, the best name. Yeah. Um, and so in about 
in about September last year to coincide with a pivot in strategy, we decided to rebrand. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of that rebranding process, we wanted uh, we wanted a name that was sort of fun and bubbly um, yeah. and easy to remember. And we couldn't think of anything. Um, Sunny, myself, Richard, our other co-founder, mm-hmm. we couldn't think of anything. Um, and we spent like a month just pulling out random names yeah. and they were all, all terrible. Like at one point we were like, all right, we're running with Neomatics. It's going to be called Neomatics. And now like reflecting back on that, I'm like, <laughs> and then we, we sort of sent out a memo to our team and we're like, all right, we can't think of the names. Does anyone have any ideas? And Praveen, um, who's our creative director was like, all right, like g- give me a shot. Mm-hmm. And two days later he came back with like a list of six or seven names and uh, Praveen, if you're listening, like the first six were just no good. I'm really sorry to say that. It was, it was something in the like knuckle buster or something. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous stuff. But then the last one was Tutero. And Sunny Richard and I were reading it out together. And when we read Tutero, we sort of just looked each, at each other and all nodded. And like, that's been the name ever since. Yeah, wow. Definitely coming up with names is so hard. I remember I was reading um, this book by the Nike founder, Phil Knight. And then he was telling about, like, how Nike, like, came up with the name. And before, it was just called something random. It was, like, Tiger Shoes or something. And then there, it was just a whole process that took, like, three months to come up with the name. And they didn't initially like Nike at all. Like, it was just something that they got used to over time and they actually thought, oh, yeah, that's actually a pretty good name. Yeah, so yeah. right now, is Chutero, um more solely focused on maths or is it other subjects as well yeah so a big part about of what we do is providing one-on-one tutoring online um and currently that sits across all year levels and all subjects um because there are so many students that need support across multiple subjects and if we just focused on one we wouldn't be able to fully um solve provide what these people those people were looking for Mm. um we in terms of our technology and how we personalize the teaching um we we've built knowledge graphs and a diagnostic learning um, platform for maths and so all of our math students um get to use that software and that content um other uh, in other subjects we have a range of other resources that we provide but i would say that in terms of like the technology innovation the vast majority of, of that is concentrated in maths um its skills are objectively assessed and, and a more discreet in nature, which is which are two factors that are more conducive um, to to a diagnostic solution. Mm, yeah, for sure. So what was exactly like the process of getting started? I know like people might have, you know, these brilliant ideas for startups, but everyone finds it difficult to get started. What was something that really pushed you to get it going? Yeah. Um, I think I, I was really lucky that Sonny, um, my brother, mm-hmm. is is a very, very focused person. Um, and so after we sort of had an idea and we knew that there was some sort of, um, that th- there was a problem to solve, he, he sort of never looked back and just started working oh, and wow. started reading textbooks and, and mapping together these networks of different skills. Mm-hmm. And... He just said to me, like, you're doing this. And I'm like, ah, but I kind of want to go, like, have enjoy a summer with my friends. And he's yeah. like, sit down, read the textbooks. And so wow. we sort of just started. Um, and I think his focus um, 
has sort of cascaded throughout your whole organization. And, and it's just meant that every month we identify new problems and, and develop evergreen solutions mm-hmm. and build a stronger foundation. And if you just continue that cycle of yeah. problem identification, solving, um, and then sort of integrating into your operations that yeah. you're going to to kind of build something bigger over time because it really is is something that compounds. Mm. Um, wow. And so I think that's that's kind of like a bit of an abstract answer um, in, in terms of how it actually sort of manifests day to day. We we've set a vision for for. Um, where we want to be, and then we can break that vision down into sort of increments of time. And so we say, in a year, this is where we want to be. And then to be there in a year, this is where we need to be in three months. And to be there in three months, this is what we need to do this month. And you keep breaking it down until you get to bite-sized tasks that inform a to-do list. And if you have everybody um, across a big team, like focusing on the same um, to-do list that all compound together towards larger goals, you're going you're gonna to build something pretty cool. Oh, wow. And how big is your team right now? Um, so we've got 22 people um, working at the moment um, for Chitera, um, with, And, um, yeah, it, it's honestly, it's my favourite part about the whole experience, getting mm-hmm. to um, build and work really closely with the team. Um like I, we we have a we're we're a remote company, um, and so we have a, a virtual office where it's almost like Sims, and everyone gets a character and they walk around <laughs> the wow. office and chat with each other. And if you enter the same room together, you go on a Zoom call. And last night I was um, walking around the office chatting with everyone, and it's just so such a privilege to be able to work with so many talented people. Um, and it's getting to a point where. Um, where we're bringing people onto the team that like are a lot more skilled in their area yeah. um, the, the, of expertise than me, Sunny or, or anyone else. And it's such a privilege to be able to learn from them um, and for them to help build um, the wider vision. Yeah, wow. This is just a sidetrack question because I'm genuinely curious. What's your thought on the metaverse? Because from what you described, it sound, sounded a lot like you know, what Metaverse has to offer if that actually goes into the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is like the closest thing that I've come to experiencing the Metaverse. It's it's like a 2D Metaverse, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think connection between people over the internet is a really, really powerful trend um, and something that can unlock um, a lot of opportunity and productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I just hope that it never... Um, sort of replaces in-person interaction because I think we saw how important that was during during the pandemic and yeah. and so if we can work out how to balance um, a world where people are more connected online with maintaining some degree of connection in real life I, I think that you'll, we will reach like an optimal state. Yeah wow and in terms of kind of building the edtech startup um are you really good at coding or? Yeah, I'm really, really lucky um, that two of the three co-founders of Chutero are full stack software engineers, um, wow. me being the non-technical founder. <laughs> uh, and yeah, both Sonny and Richard are really, really amazing um, at what they do. Um, Richard has been 
um, sort of coding since eight or nine years old. And, and I've never seen a question that he hasn't been able to answer. Um, and yeah, having technical expertise within a founding team is really, really important if you want to um, be a software um, company. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, we're really lucky that that has always been sort of embedded within our DNA um, and our approach to solving the problem. Um, and now we've got a big, a big team of software engineers and it's growing pretty much every month. Um, so software is incredibly leveraged and then building a big team um, just increases that rate of innovation. Yeah, wow. So what would you, how would you best describe your role in the company? Um, so I think my role is shifting month on month. Um, as the team grows, it's, it's my, it's on me as a leader to sort of evolve my role and responsibilities from being more of an operator. So someone who does all of the tasks required across specific functions to, to some more of a manager, um, and working with the different leaders of all of these functions to say, all right, where do we want to be? What does success look like? And what's the best game plan to go and achieve that? Um, and the way that I like to approach that is I give as much autonomy and trust as, as I possibly can to the members of the team. And then we'll just come and ask questions and, and of them to, to jog their thinking and try support them to make optimal decisions. Um, as, 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 yeah, as the team grows, um, it's the responsibility of us to make sure that we're always, always thinking sort of six or 12 months ahead mm. and saying, where do we want to be? Um, and then, yeah, building a culture around what we're trying to achieve in the mission such that people bel believe what we're trying to do um, and, and feel ownership about bringing those goals and ideas to life. Yeah, wow. Speaking of goals and ideas, where do you see Chutero going in the long term? Um, so it's a great question. Um, so our mission is to leverage technology to personalise and gamify education. Mm -hmm. um, and it's pretty broad. Um, and it, it probably speaks to the fact that we haven't set too many missions before <laughs> um, in the sense that it's not, it doesn't necessarily um, meet every criteria of the typical mission statement. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I, I digress. Um, to, to realize that mission and to truly personalize and gamify education, we need to connect with a lot of students learning. Yeah. Um, and I think we're doing that through supplementary education, but to reach the next level of scale where we can sort of ha have a chance of making like a um, systemic, bringing about systemic change, uh, um, I think we need to move into schools as well. Mm. Um, and so the next phase for us is, looking, speaking to teachers, speaking to schools, speaking to students in schools and saying, where is their opportunity to leverage technology um, and the content that's embedded within that technology to improve the experience of those stakeholders? Um, and something we're spending a lot of time trying to understand right now. Um, and, and over the next 12 months, um, we'll, we'll start to realize um, some of our ideas about what those products should look like. And, and then once we're in schools and students and teachers are using our software, we'll be able to um, embed feedback loops um, yeah. between our users and our product team so that we're constantly iterating and innovating and trying to solve um, the problems of our users. Yeah, wow. How big is the user base right now? 
Um, so currently, so our North Star metric um, is hours of tutoring per week because it's a composite indicator. Mm. Um, and this week, I think we're going to get up to 350 hours of tutoring. Wow. Um, and and that's growing at a pretty good rate. Um, so it's, it's really exciting and fulfilling to see um, the the idea and the vision materialize into real world impact. Yeah, definitely. I'd imagine seeing like those hours grow every month would be so like fulfilling. Yeah, so. it, it's, it's really exciting. Um, and I think it motivates all of us to want to keep on, mm. keep on working hard every day um, to, to try solve problems and, and build, build yeah. effective products. On another note, what was the big, biggest difficulty that you faced in the process of building this company and how did you overcome it? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. Um, I think I can probably break down that answer into sort of like what, what were some of the personal challenges I faced and then what were mm. some of the professional challenges I faced yeah. or we faced as a team. Um, personally, um, going straight into um, startup mode um, or founder mode straight after uni is a real challenge. Um, it's a bit of an atypical pathway. Mm. Um, and you also start without really knowing what you're doing. You've never, you haven't spent an extended period of time within an organization. And so you don't understand what a good standard is and what what sort of like operational benchmarks should look like. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was really cha- challenging sort of having to figure out everything from first principles. Mm. Um, so it's, that's sort of a that's sort of a digression into the professional challenges. I'll remain focused on the personal yeah. um, element of the response. Um, and so personally, because I've been following kind of a, a, a different pathway than what is traditional, there's always been some like sort of self doubt um, and experience kind of like feelings of being a bit of like an imposter or. Um, a bit of um, stress as to whether or not I was making the right um, decision for myself and whether or not would have the capabilities as a team to achieve what we set out to. And so there's a lot of sort of self-doubt and overthinking and overcoming that has been um, being a challenge, but something that uh, I feel like I'm getting better at each day. Um, and, yeah. and there's been really positive progression there. Mm. Um, in terms of challenges, like professionally and actually building the startup. Um, so yeah, one was that we've had to figure everything out from first principles and two was also um, building the right team. Um, like your team is everything. Um, um, like Tutero is the team and the team is Tutero. Yeah. Um, and we um, had to, we've spent a lot of time finding the right people um like every position that that um we bring someone in for the there's like very very structured recruitment process um to ensure that we're finding the right person every time and so that's been challenging Mm -hmm. um it's taken a lot of time but i i I, like i honestly believe that getting that right has been absolutely essential to getting us to where we are today Um, and making the right decisions around who joins the team mm. is going to be absolutely essential to ensuring that um, we can continue um, to, to achieve our goals. Yeah, and um, I guess what do you look for in the right person to join the team? What do you look for in an employee? 
So the first thing is passion. Um, Someone who's really, really excited about what we're trying to achieve and is happy to get up every single day mm-hmm. and be laser focused um, to, to um, get their work done, to take us that next step closer. Um, the next is excite. Like, it's probably like a subset of passion, but yeah. someone who's really excited about what they're trying to achieve and, and doesn't necessarily view it as a nine to five clock in clock out, get paid, but actually something that they love doing and that they're really thrilled and excited to be doing every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, like I, I would say that we've always optimized for passion, excitement, energy over someone's yeah. um, experience or experience in a particular role. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, served us really well. Um, like a few, a few of the people in the team, it's probably um, one of their first experiences um, working in a startup and, and there's some of the top performers in the team. And, and um, I think that's a product of how much they care um, yeah. and, and how much they want to see what we're trying to achieve come to life. Yeah, because I guess ultimately it comes down to that drive that keeps you going when, I guess, time times get hard and you really need that passion in order to continue with what you're doing. And that kind of leads on to the next question, which is I know lots of people are trying to get into startups or like try to work for, you know, a company that's kind of just starting to expand. What's like one thing that they can do to show that they're passionate about it or that they're excited about what the company is? Yeah, um, it's a great question. So this is... this. I'm, I'm going to overlay like how I think about this and, and my experience um, mm-hmm. in responding this to this. But as a founder, what you're trying to do is just find people that are incredibly passionate, incredibly excited, and are going to work really, really hard to try do something that's really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the cool thing about startups is like inherent to what they're doing is that they're growing and expanding really quickly. And so if the startup is doing well, the team is going to be growing um, like quite, quite rapidly, like yeah. potentially doubling in size every year. I've heard stories of, 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 of even like faster operational scaling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means that the, the sort of leaders of that team are always in recruitment mode and always looking for people that fit those two criteria. And so then if you're someone who's looking to join, the question that you should be asking is how can I best demonstrate that I am incredibly passionate, incredibly capable? Mm. Um, and I think there's like LinkedIn has enabled so much connection. So you can go message anyone mm. and send them a direct message and say, hey, can we catch up for coffee or can, can we meet up? Um, and I think like most people will respond and be happy to do that. But if you want to then translate that um, sort of initial connection to a longer term um, relationship whereby you join the startup, then I would suggest that you should take initiative and do something that demonstrates how much value and how much passion you can bring. Um, and so um, I was chatting about this the other week. If you want to go for a marketing role, for example, mm. message the head of marketing or message the founder that's responsible for growth and create value for them. Send, look at their, look at their landing page and 
tell them five areas that you think it can be improved or five A-B tests that you'd want to run. Um, look at their ads and say, hey, there was actually a bug on your, or on your, uh, it's somewhere in your funnel and it prevented me from doing this. Mm. I would recommend you change it. And so yeah. looking at it from the perspective of the person you're speaking to, you're like, oh, damn, this person actually can go out of their way and is proactive in trying to create value. And every single founder is looking for those sort of people to join the team. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole new level of showing initiative in identifying things that the startup can improve on. Yeah, for sure. That advice is actually very useful for other people who are looking into getting into the startup world. And yeah, I, I, I heard a story about, um, I can't remember her name, um, but there's a, there's a girl in Sydney that really wanted to be a product manager for Canva. Yeah. Um, and she built a website about herself and the whole website was explaining why she should be um, accepted into that role. Oh, and if wow. you're, if you're, if you're someone who's making the decision about who you're going to bring into the team mm -hmm. and you're comparing a CV and a cover letter that's just been duplicated from all of the other applications or something that's really personalized and provides tangible evidence to someone's capability and initiative, mm -hmm. what decision are you going to make? Yeah, for sure. Definitely the Canva. And it fits so well with like the company as well. Like Canva does designing and stuff and templates and the girl builds a website. That's definitely very creative. Wow. And um, did you always want to be an entrepreneur or is it kind of something that just happened? I think I've always had a part of me. So my great grandfather emigrated to Australia and set up um, a really successful textiles business. Mm. Um, and I never met him, but ever since I was born, everyone's family has been telling me that I'm a lot like him. Um, and I think that has always had an impact like subconsciously on me that maybe, maybe entrepreneurship is a, is a pathway that makes sense. Mm. Um, so I always wanted to explore it. I didn't think I would be exploring it this early, um, but I'm really glad that I am. Yeah, I feel the same because my family, my dad and my granddad and even like my grandma to some extent, they're all like entrepreneurs that started their own things. And I guess yeah. I sort of look up to them and want to do my own thing as well. I don't want to be constantly, you know, working for someone else, but I want to be building my thing and putting all of my efforts into that one thing that I want to see growing, as you said before and compounding every day. And um, so being an entrepreneur, what would you say is your favorite thing about it? I think there's two things that I really, really love. Mm -hmm. um, and they're sort of related, but it's this idea that, so, so the first is you're sort of in, in control of your own destiny. Yeah. Um, so you can, it, it's your job to decide what's important, what's not important, what does, what pathways you want to take. And I, I, and I found that fills me with excitement every day because you have like endless opportunity. Um, you, the, the, there's so, there's so much scope to what you can achieve. Um, so that's one thing I really love. The second is setting, like understanding what your mission and your vision are and then orienting the whole team around that mm -hmm. um and i think to me like what 
we're speaking to my team every day, like the excitement about what we're trying to achieve is palpable. Like everyone is genuinely excited and passionate. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it's really so exciting to think about what we can achieve and to feel that energy in the air. Um, and so, yeah, orienting a team around the team around the mission is something that uh, I love doing. Oh, that sounds so, like, whole, not wholesome, wholesome, but, like, so driven and so centred. So. Yeah, I, well, I, I think you've described it perfectly. It is really, really, to be honest, it is really, really wholesome. <laughs> um, like, last week, so um, last week I was chatting with Sam and Christy from our team and mm. it was at the end of a big day. Like, we had done a lot that day and there had been a lot happening. And it was, like, 8.30 p.m. And we all just walked into a meeting room in our office and we were like, whoa, that was massive. And we all just had the biggest smiles on our face. And we were, we were telling each other what everyone did great that day um, and, like, how what they were doing was making such a big impact. Um, and that was all, all, of, all of us sharing that with each other. Um, and it was really, really wholesome. Mm. Um, but it, it fills me with such joy. And I know it felt like makes them so happy as well oh. um and so that, that team environment it's it's mm. it, it, yeah, it's great yeah and what's a typical day like for you because again I was reading a book on Elon Musk and it was kind of describing his day and when he first got started <laughs> his sleeping hours was like 3 a.m in the morning like a nap for two hours get up and he would just sleep in the office as well. Do you feel like, yeah. I know that your office is virtual, so you actually get to <laughs> sleep in your own bed, but do you feel like being an entrepreneur kind of, do you feel like you have that work-life balance and what's a typical day like for you? We work, like, we work really hard. Um, we work a lot of hours. Um, and when we're working, we're really focused um, because especially in the early days, like if we didn't do it a wouldn't have gotten done um and so there's like there's no one you can sort of lean on or, or and it, if tasks fall away they don't get done um so yeah in the in in probably like the first six to nine months we were working some pretty full-on hours um i think and then we kind of all burnt out a little bit towards the end of last year and we realized yeah. that to be our best at work especially when our jobs are becoming more about making good decisions we have to have balance in our life because mm -hmm. that helps us make those good decisions and it helps us bring clarity to our day-to-day -day. Um, like work a lot of hours but the if you like if you love what you do you don't work a, you don't work a day mm -hmm. um and so it really it really does feel like that yeah wow and What's one piece of advice you would have given your past self or what would you change um, about what you did when you were first starting out? So I think we've learned a lot. So this is probably more professional advice mm -hmm. to my past self. Um, when building products, I think what we tried to do is we built what we thought should exist, not what users wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, it's we'd read the lane startups and understood that approach to product building, mm. but I still think we fell into the trap of saying, Hey, this is really cool. Surely everyone will love this yeah. without actually saying, what is your biggest problem? Will this solve it? Yes or no. And then informing mm. um, how you build the product. So like we've thrown out a lot of code 
Um, and if we were probably a bit more focused on our users rather than just building at the start, yeah. then we might have thrown out less code. The second um, thing is um, in terms of like our growth model, at the start, we also had this like typical idea that you build it and people will come. I mm. mean, um, like we had a few ideas about growth strategies, but it took us like six to nine months to pivot our way to a point where distribution was possible. Um, and so I would encourage myself at the very start to, to think a lot more closely about how you, how we were going to connect with users, um, and about how we can scale that connection. Yeah. And how are you sort of connecting with users right now? How do you gauge them and how do you understand what they really want? Yeah. So it's a great question. So we had like at the, after we pivoted to Jutera, we had a range of hypotheses about how it was going to look. And um, for a big part, we thought that um, sort of our user experience all the way from hearing about us to their hundredth lesson was going to be digital without a whole lot of in like um, person to person support. Yeah. And we quickly learned that education is such a personal decision and such an important decision that people make about their children's futures that they really value kind of personal guidance and mentorship in making those decisions. Mm. Um, so that's been a shift to our growth model um, in the sense that we now have a team of learning advisors whose job it is to customize the best possible tutoring program for yeah. each student, such that they're always focusing on the right materials, working towards tangible goals and paired with a suitable tutor. Mm. Um, and I think integrating that process um, and that kind of conversation mm. into our users' experience played a really important role in ensuring that we provide um, what people want um, and also provide the best possible um, education outcomes for our students. Yeah, wow, because I feel like for every single company, it's so incredibly important to be in touch with what people mm. are actually wanting because I feel like that plays such an important role in the company actually going forward and succeeding. Because if they're out of touch, then mm. obviously the products that they offer will not be as relevant to people as they think they are. So... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess that brings me to my last question. Um, do you have any advice that you would offer other budding young entrepreneurs... So I think there's three things, um, three three pieces of advice that I have. Yeah. The first is invest in your own learning and development. Mm. Um, there's we're living in like we're living in a time where any information is accessible on the internet, really, um, and you can also go on Amazon and get a book delivered to your door within like 16 hours or something stupid now. Yeah. Um, so really invest in time to learn about the, the, the roles, the, the, the skills required to succeed in the roles that you're going to be leading. Mm -hmm. um, um, I think any book that anyone starting should read is The Land Startup. It sort of is Startup 101. Yeah. Um, and and will we'll save you a lot of time, I promise you that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, invest in yourself. Um, that's probably the first bucket. Yeah. The second is find the right team, um, the right founding team. Um, you should have deep trust 
in terms of the relationships that you have with your other founders. Mm -hmm. There should be um, complementary skill sets across the team. So you don't want to have directly overlapping skill sets because you're both want to going to do the same jobs, and then mm -hmm. you're going to there's going to be more disagreement about how to do do those jobs. Where ideally you'll have different skill sets, so that maybe someone can build and maybe someone can sell. And then when you come together, there's a better complementary pairing and synergy. Um, and then, yeah, then there's the whole trust factor, which I just touched on briefly. But essentially, like when you start start out with someone, you're committing to work with them for d directly speaking yeah. 10 times every single day for the next 10 years mm. um, minimum. And so there should be that real trust, connection, authenticity to your relationship that will make you happy to work alongside someone um, into the foreseeable future. Mm. Um, and then the third um, is, is don't be afraid to sort of just get started um, and see what happens. Um, Lots of people have the mindset that oh, I need to do X, Y, Z before I become an entrepreneur or before I start my own startup. Mm. But my view is that the rate of learning of just starting something, working out what your problems are, solving those problems, speaking to users, getting feedback on your products and iterating, the rate of learning in that experience is so much higher than if it were to be theoretical or if you weren't have like ultimate ownership and accountability over what you're trying to achieve. Mm. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to just get started. And if it fizzles out to nothing, it's not the end of the world because you've yeah. learned so much and developed so much of your own skill sets such that you're going to be better placed for the next one. But even if it doesn't feel so out to nothing, you could build something really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and if there wasn't that initial barrier and, and, and kind of a first step to take, I think there'd be a lot of, if, sorry, if there wasn't that hesitation around that taking that first step, there'd be a lot more people building really cool things. Um, so just get started and see, and, see, and see what happens. Yeah, just get started because starting is definitely the hardest step. Mm. Yeah. Did you ever participate in any like startup competitions or start mate when you were in uni? Uh, I didn't, um, but I would really advocate for anyone um, in uni to get involved in those communities as much as possible, mm -hmm. um, whether it's start mate, whether it's early work. Um, I know there's a range of other startup clubs like B1 at universities as well, mm -hmm. but just surround yourself with people who are really, really interested in entrepreneurship and the startup ecosystem, because you'll learn a lot. You'll make really good connections and you'll probably meet your co-founders. Yeah. Wow. I will definitely take that advice on board. Um, thank you so much, Joey, for coming on the podcast and giving us advice on how to follow our passions. Um, Thank you for your time and hopefully we can keep up to date with Chitero and I'm so excited to see where the company is going to go in the future. I think it has so much potential. Thank you so, so much. Um, and yeah, if, if anyone's listening um, is interested um, in startups and wants to learn more or wants advice or wants feedback, just message me on LinkedIn. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll, I will reply within a few days. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always accessible and happy to chat. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and see you next time.